0: This is Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at Anchor.fm and the Anchor app. All right, what is up everybody? This is Bobby Bailey here at the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We are coming to you with another episode and wow, what a, what a group of races we had this weekend down at Talladega Super Speedway. Um, just I think I'm going to appropriately call this episode uh, first time winners wild because that's what we had. We had uh, three races at Talladega, three different first time winners in all three national series. First time that's ever happened at the same racetrack ever in in, in NASCAR uh, history. So uh, crazy, crazy races down at Talladega. Um, You know, we had two out of the three shortened by weather. Um, Well, one by weather, one by technically darkness. But, um, you know, just just absolutely crazy uh, how we had three different first-time winners. And and if you would have told me the three names going into this weekend that these were the three, I would have said, okay, the first one totally random out of the blue. Brandon Brown, I would have told you, um, yeah, you know, I could see Brandon Brown getting a win at a a place like a Talladega or a Daytona or, you know, on a fuel mileage strategy at like a road course, kind of like what Jeremy Clements did back at Road America uh, a few years ago. Uh, But Tate Fogelman was the one that I was kind of like, really, Tate Fogelman, out of all these guys that are in this series, in the truck series, this is the guy that's going to win at Talladega? I would have been like, okay, you know, but... Um, really happy for him because I, I, I know he's, um uh, you know, he's come up through the short track ranks and, and, you know, he hasn't had the greatest of luck in the truck series either. He hasn't been somebody that's, you're like, Hey, Tate's really, you know, knocking on the door. He's going to get that first win. Um, you know, most of the time Tate's kind of like, you know, in that 15, 15, to 20 range, most tracks, um, you know, and, and that's a, I don't want to say it's a smaller team, but they just. You know, they, they do the best with what they what they got, kind of the equipment they have, what they can afford, with the sponsorships that they're able to get from these drivers and things. So, you know, Young's Motorsports, um, you know, they won at Talladega in the past with, with Spencer Boyd and um, you know, I, I you know, I would have figured Spencer would have been in the mix. I could have understood if Chris Wright won won this race uh a little bit as well, but Tate Fogelman was not the one I had on the top of my list, uh, as well. And then you get to Sunday. Uh, well, Sunday rains out. So then we have Monday, the Cup race with Bubba Wallace winning, obviously the Yellowwood uh, 500. And and listen, I I'm, I'm going to say this and, and get this out of the way early. I think Bubba Wallace was going to win a race eventually at some point in time, whether it was this race at Talladega, whether it was another race somewhere down the road. I think Bubba this year had taken. You know, in the beginning of the season, it seemed like he was same old Bubba. You know, it just seemed like he was. And what I mean by that is he was he was running in that 15 to 20 range. And that just seemed like where he was. And, and you know, you started to say say to yourself as somebody that's followed his career, um, man, is, is this really like, you know, did they make a mistake by picking this guy? And I know, you know, Michael Jordan's involved. I know Danny Hamlin's involved. But I'm like, man, you know, they could have picked you know, there's other drivers. I mean, I know why they picked Bubba. Okay. You know, you're, you're bringing in Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan wants to, to give that opportunity to the sports only African-American driver. And I get it. I understand it from a lot of different angles. Um, but I just, I'm like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out, you know, because Bubba had been driving for Richard Petty Motorsports, which I think most of you that follow the sport know that that's not a very well-funded organization outside of what Bubba was able to bring to the table, um, you know, down the road, you know, like within that, you know, 2020 campaign, he was able to bring some sponsors in, you know, he, he got Columbia involved. He got McDonald's more involved with them. They got uh, DoorDash started sponsoring them. They had that cash app on the car. Um, so they definitely had some partners that they were building towards that. If Bubba did come back for our 2021 campaign with them, it looked like that the 43 was going to have some decent amount of funding. Then Bubba leaves and goes to, um, 2311 team. And we all know how that all panned out, but, um, you just know going to this organization that Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin weren't going to accept anything other than a win, um, from Bubba, you know? And, and it just, it was like, man, that's going to be a ton of pressure. It's more pressure than maybe driving the 43 is because the 43 is legendary. We all know that. Um, Any driver that drives that car knows that going into that situation. But you put Bubba Wallace in a car that is being funded by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin's involved in that and knowing that their relationship um, is why this this, this deal is even on the table right now uh, was kind of like, man, this is a lot more pressure for Bubba and he's driving Gibbs cars. It's not like he's driving – You know, hand-me-downs from Richard Childress Racing. He's driving brand-new, like, Joe Gibbs Racing-built cars with the TRD motors, full Toyota support, everything behind him. It was – this is a lot of pressure, and you just hope that, you know, Bubba's matured enough to understand, like, hey, you know, this is a lot, but I can do this. And you could, you started seeing he was starting to get better. There were some races where he was starting to turn that corner. He had a really good run at, at Daytona. Um. During the playoff race, I mean, the you know, the the regular season finale he finished second there. Um, so you could kind of see the writing was on the wall that it was going to be a plate track for the most part. You know, Bubba's still, I think, learning the cars. And, and I think each each manufacturer's cars drive differently. And I'm not just saying this because it's Bubba Wallace. I'm just saying we've seen drivers have changed manufacturers. Um, you know, we sort of saw it a little bit with, with Brad Keselowski, right, when he went from the Dodge to Ford. You know, that first year, that 2013 season for Brad, he was not as good as his championship year the year prior. And I think you look at at Bubba and you can kind of see like he drove the Chevy for a couple years and he really like that first year with Chevy. He really wasn't that great, you know, and, and by the time like he was in last year, he was starting to run a little bit better. And, and you could tell that they were starting to turn that corner. And again, I would have liked to have seen what it would have been like for him to be in that car this year seeing how Austin Dillon and and Tyler Reddick were competing for playoff standings going into, uh, you know, this season. And and, and Bubba, I think this year was a new team. They changed crew chiefs now. I think Booty Barker, uh, Robert Booty Barker is the right guy for, for, uh, for Bubba. I think this is, this is kind of like the pairing. I think that um, if they started the season, I would have been like, okay, this, this, they might do something. And, I know Booty Barker is not known in the garage area as an amazing crew chief. He's he's been with a lot of different drivers. He was he was over there at Jermaine Racing, which is the building that they're they're currently in. Um, he was over there with Ty Dillon for a while. He was over there with some other people. Um, I, I just think that you know that. Um, sorry, I got to. I got a text and I was like trying to read it because it was it was uh, a little work related, um, but you know I just think that he's never really had the resources behind him to be successful either. You know I think if you go back and you dig around his career, he was at Haas CNC, which okay they had Hendrick engines, but they really didn't have the best cars built. They weren't like he was at Stuart Haas before. Stewart was there, so he was he was in the kind of like the 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 dark the dark ages there with with that team and and some of the other stuff. So I think Booty Barker now is in a role where he can he can be with really smart people. He's got some great engineers around him. He can actually lead that team and do a great job of it, and and really make that team better. And I think that that's what he's doing. And I'm not saying that Mike Wheeler isn't capable of that. But I think Mike Wheeler is is really kind of like Mike Wheeler is to Denny Hamlin, what Greg Zipadelli is to Tony Stewart. Okay. Denny has an affinity for Mike Wheeler. He always has liked Mike Wheeler. Um I think they realized that they couldn't work together as crew chief driver anymore. But I think when Denny was looking to start a team and he was looking to put bubble with somebody that knows what they're talking about, can be a good guidance for Bubba and get Bubba kind of used to the cars and, and used to the setups and, and, and things like that. I think he knew Mike Wheeler was the right person for the job. Just like I think now he realizes that Mike Wheeler is the right person to be the competition director. And you know, when they plug Kurt Bush in there um for next season, I think you're gonna see uh, you know, Kurt's gonna get a crew chief that he's familiar with. That's that was the report that Danny put out there. That, you know, Kurt Bush is going to have a crew chief that he's familiar with. Well, you know, we do know that there's going to be some people that are going to get laid off from Ganassi, obviously. And, well, now that Trackhouse has bought Ganassi, we know there's going to be some layoffs. So is that Matt McCall specifically? Is it maybe somebody that Kurt worked with at a different organization? We're not really sure what that means. But if it's somebody that, that Kurt is familiar with, you would like to believe that that's going to make Kurt's transition over there a little bit better. And hopefully it's, it's somebody that they can get in soon to kind of start to see like what, you know, what's going on with the new car. What's the Toyota new car looking like? Because if it's Matt McCall specifically, Matt McCall is working at Ganassi right now. And Matt McCall knows what the Chevy next gen car might be like, but he doesn't know what the Toyota next gen car is going to be like. And I know that, a lot of the components are going to be the same, but there's still going to be different bodies on these cars. There's still going to be some nuances with, you know, obviously the motors are different. Um, so there's a lot of things that, you know, if you can get that guy in, you know, even if if twenty three eleven, if it is Matt McCall, can buy him out of his contract for the rest of the season and just swing him into their organization now, I think it will pay dividends. But I don't know if that's even possible, and I and I really don't know if twenty three eleven is really looking to do that right now. Um, you know. Either so, um, you know, that is uh that is that. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. I am gonna come back and we are gonna discuss in full detail the races at Talladega. We'll talk about the uh, the Truck Series race. We'll talk about the Xfinity race, and we'll obviously break down the rain shortened Yellowwood five hundred that was won by Bubba Wallace, and we'll talk about. Uh, 2022 news. We just found out uh, some more news uh, yesterday about, you know, driver offseason things. So we'll discuss that as well. Michael Annette uh, announced his retirement at the end of the season. I don't know if that means Michael's not coming back this year. I'm assuming being that he's announcing he's retiring that hopefully that means uh, he is going to try to make some kind of attempt to come back this year. But uh, at this point in time, I'm not really saying our, our hopes are high that he does, but Uh, I hope for his sake, he is able to come back and at least compete one or two more times this season. And, and at least, you know, get a chance to say goodbye. Cause you know, you don't want him to have the Casey Kane situation where Casey ended up missing the whole rest of the season. uh, Once he announced that he was retiring from, from cup and uh, you know, there with Levine family racing and we never saw him again. You know, he ran one, one race at, at Darlington, which was um, really the race that caused him to retire. You know, it was, it was the one that he got dehydrated during and, and he had a hard time coming back after that race. So, um, hopefully, that's not the case with Michael on that. But, um, you know, we'll dive into all that right here after a quick break. And we'll talk to you guys about our friends at CircleBDiecast.com. So, you can check them out, CircleBDiecast.com. Remember to use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. no apostrophe in the S there. You get 20, uh, any order over $20 in the US gets free shipping. So, you can go ahead and order your raced win. Bubble Wallace Diecast, they have autographed and non-autographed 124 scale models. They also have a 164 scale model, and they also have a t-shirt available for you to pre-order. So check out, again, my friends at circlebdiecast.com, promo code Coochie's Corner, free shipping on all U.S. orders, over $20 within the continental U.S. This is the Cucci's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. For all your latest diecast needs, apparel, and much more, check out CircleBDiecast.com. The best part: all of our Crew Chiefs Corner podcast listeners use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. No apostrophe. It's all Crew Chiefs Corner. You'll save. You'll get free shipping on all U.S. orders over twenty dollars. Check out CircleBDiecast.com. Use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. You get free shipping on all U.S. orders over twenty dollars. Alright guys, it's Bobby back here on the Creatures Corner Podcast. So now we're gonna kind of break down a little bit more in detail the Talladega races. Um so obviously, you know, we had the truck race and Xfinity race both on Saturday. Um uh, Mother Nature kind of you know wreaked havoc a little bit on on the on the uh start of these races and kind of how they, you know, finished out. But we really had an exciting truck race. I tell you, coming into um this weekend, I said, I said, you know, the truck race was the was the one wild card. I really wasn't sure who to, who to pick, really, because you know you're you're used to picking John Hunter Nemechek. You're used to picking Matt Crafton. You know, there's other drivers you can throw in there, Grant finger There's guys that you know, Johnny Sauter. There's guys that you normally know in this series this season that are going to be competing for race wins. But Talladega is that one track where you will get a guy that might not have been on anyone's radar this year, all of a sudden it pops up in victory lane. I I present to you the Spencer Boyd victory a couple years ago. Now, Spencer Boyd was a guy, uh, you know, is a guy that a lot of people didn't have on his radar, on their radars, um, for somebody that could get a race win. Just because, you know, he's driving, you know, for Young's Motorsports. We know Tyler Young has driven for them, you know, and is involved in the ownership of that organization with his dad. And we just know that that organization hasn't always been, you know, one that's gone out there and, and competed for race wins. Okay. Um, I still think the best thing Young's Motorsports ever had was, was Austin Hill. And then Austin Hill went and left them and, and went to go drive for shigi Hitori in the 16 team. Um, but I think you'll look at, you know, what that, that zero two truck and the 20 truck and now the 12 truck with Tate Fogelman have done is they've shown that they can get the job done at these plate tracks, um, I know there was a big accident, you know, Todd Gilliland was in a shot to probably get the win. Uh, looked like John Herney checked made a kind of a, a boneheaded move there late in that race. And it cost him the race win. Um, and it cost Todd, Todd Gilliland a shot at the win. And it, and it really caused a two a truck breakaway as they were coming to, to the checkered flag after, you know, they had these big accidents um, between Tyler Hill, which is Timmy Hill's uh, younger brother and And Tate Fogelman to to go for the win. And I know Tyler and 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 uh, Tate are both going for the race win. So if you watch your replay all the way through and you see the guys the or the highlights of the race, I should say, um or the the finish replay, that you could see Tyler's trying to get the win. And, and Tyler spinning Tate coming to the checker flag, listen, this is not anything new. We've seen this. We've seen this countless times where guys are gonna do whatever they can to win. I mean, Clint Boyer famously said, if I had to wreck my grandma to win a race, I would, you know, to win the championship or win a race, I'd wreck my grandma. We know that that's what these drivers are willing to do. They're willing to basically put it all on the line to get a race win. And especially for some of these, these smaller teams, like a, like Tyler Hill driving for Hell's Motorsports or, you know, Tate Fogelman, who doesn't normally get to run up front. um, still learning the series and, and things like that. And has still got a lot of inexperience in these trucks at some of these tracks um, you know, it's a second season of racing in, in the truck series. You would expect there to be some anxiousness to these guys going out there and trying to win this race because, you know, the moments there. And And I think that's why Tyler Hill was like, I just got to wreck them or spin them or do something. Cause that's the only shot I got to win in this race. Um, and, and he spun them and he spun them the wrong way. You know, like he spun them to the, to the infield, which, Had he done it a little bit earlier would have possibly helped him out, but because he did it so close to the start finish line, it just, it's not going to do anything. If he was going to do it that close, he had to have gotten on the other side of his, his fender and spun him up the track. Um, And he might've had, and again, if he did it a little bit further back, he might've had enough time to to clear him and win the race. Um, But, you know, I mean, Hey, you know, it's still a really good finish for Tyler Hill. Uh, I, probably pretty sure it's his career best finish a second. Um, so a great day for him. Great day for Hell's, uh for Hill motorsports. And, a, and also a huge win for uh, Tate Fogelman. A, a, like I said, a young kid who's come up through the short track ranks and has uh, been driving for young motorsports the last couple of years. And, um, you know, finally gets that win. You know, I'm sure that's something that was a goal of his coming into this series. Obviously anybody that steps or uh, straps into one of these trucks wants to win races, wants to compete for championships. That's everybody's goal. Uh, but sometimes there's very few guys that are able to do that. And, and at least to accomplish a win is something that Tate Fogelman now has over some other drivers in that series. So that's that's a big accomplishment for him and 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 really happy for him to get that victory and um you know to be able to celebrate with his team and uh you know, all that stuff. So so good for Tate. Then you get to the Xfinity race later in the day, and you know, I kind of felt like this was gonna be um Definitely a little bit more organized than the the truck race ever is just because I figured you were going to have more of the organizations working together. You know, you had a better shot of Joe Gibbs racing, working together, the Fords of Riley Herbst, Ryan Sieg and uh, Austin Sindrick working together. Um, You had a better shot of Junior Motorsports working together. I just thought this Xfinity race was going to be a little bit more organized and it was more organized. But what ended up happening was, you know, we had some chaos because, you know, darkness was coming and guys were trying to make some bold moves. And we had some accidents and stuff waiting into going here. And Brandon Brown ended up having a great shot of getting the win because there was an accident actually coming to the caution flag, which ended up causing the race to end. There was a little bit of a rain shower coming and, you know, the darkness ended, uh, ended the races along with the rain a little bit. Uh, and Brandon Brown was, was declared the winner because of scoring loops. And I know Dale jr. Got in this whole thing about scoring loops and, you know, usually they historically haven't used it to, to call a race and all this other stuff. And, um, I think Brandon Brown, it, it, by and large, you go ask the majority of the guys in that garage area, there's nobody that's upset that this kid won this race. There's nobody that's saying anything bad about this kid winning this race. I think it was absolutely a, a big win for him. Absolutely a big moment for, for the small teams. You know, we talk so much in racing about the big name teams. You know, you talk about the Joe Gibbs racings, the Hendrick, the, the, you know, Richard Childress racings. A lot of times you forget, especially because it's not as common in the cup series, but Xfinity and trucks, there's a lot of small family run organizations. I know I spend a lot of time talking about Ryan Sieg and the Siegs and RSS racing, but um, you know Brandon Brown, his goal like three years ago was to be better than the Siegs, and if you would have told me five years ago when Ryan first got into this deal, um, you know in about 2015 2016 got into Xfinity, that there was going to be a small family team, two small family teams besides the Siegs winning races, I would have called you crazy because I I thought the Siegs were going to be the the one. You know, and I could just see like, you know, they, they had that deal with RCR. I thought they were gonna win races once, you know, they started getting more a little bit more RCR support. I really thought last year was their year they were gonna get a win. It didn't happen. This year I kind of knew going into this that the transition to Ford is huge. Um, you know, these motors are different. The cars that they're getting from Stuart Haas are a little bit different. It's it's also a little bit harder when you have the limited amount of crew guys that they have to You know, especially with the limited practice time and and, and there's no qualifying for the most part. Um, You really have a small window to really work on these cars at the track. So everything might work in a shop environment. Everything might fire, might work. Uh, But sometimes you get on the track and you have a small little thing happen uh, in the car. You know, they've had fuel pickup issues this year. They've had, I mean, just all kinds of random mechanical issues with these cars this year that just seem to have popped up and they've had some, you know, issues with the engines and stuff. So, um, you know, I I know it hasn't been a great season for Ryan Sieg. And I really thought Talladega was going to be that great equalizer for him, that they were going to finally have a legit shot at getting a race win. And, uh, you know, it was Brandon Brown's day and, you know, you congratulate Brandon, you're happy for him. Um, I don't like what NBC did at the end of that race, which was, you know, the reporter, um, you know, I don't even know why the reporter even addressed the chanting that was going on in the background because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what those fans were chanting. They were chanting blank, go, uh, blank Joe Biden. And everybody knew what they were talking about. Okay. Um, I don't think you really needed to even, you know, mention it you know, on air, they're like, Hey, go Brandon. They're like, no, that's not what they were chanting. They were chanting something totally different. <laughs> um, you know, and, and just read the moment. I would say, I just, I don't know. I don't understand why they brought it up, but, uh, you know, or why they even say anything, I, I guess, you know, they couldn't drop the background noise somehow. I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess the mic just picked up that much of it that they weren't able to, to really get it, um, isolated, enough to uh, just have Brandon talking and not having all the other stuff going on in the background. Um, But that was interesting. That made for an interesting post race interview. Uh, But happy for Brandon, happy that, you know, he was able to get a big win uh, at a track that, you know, these types of things happen. I mean, we just mentioned that. So good win for Brandon. Uh, Obviously, you know, small town team, Ah uh, him and his dad. I mean, his dad's been through all kinds of medical issues over the last couple uh, last couple of years really. So happy to see them get to spend that moment in victory lane and 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 really uh, cherish it because you know that they did um because of everything that team has been through and and Brandon has been through personally as well. um it, it's quite an amazing feat to to win and and get that that moment. Um, and then let's get to uh, the cup race. So I know, Some people were a little upset that they rained out on Sunday. Uh, Some people were pretty convinced they could have started the race. Uh, But NASCAR has done this for years where they have kind of like a a, a rule that if they can't get the whole race in, they're not going to attempt to start it. And I applaud NASCAR for that. And I understand that that doesn't always lead to a popular answer with the fans. I know a lot of you drive hours and hours and hours to get to these tracks. I I do the same thing myself. And I know the frustration. Um, what I tend to do when I go to a race is I always take the Monday off after the race. I have never once not taken the Monday off. And I know not all of you are able to do that, but I always take the Monday off after the reason behind that is I've gotten burned so many times at Dover and Pocono that I just, I've gotten into the, into the habit of doing it. And even with Dover, like. I'll take the Monday off and, and, and if we run the cup race Sunday, I just drive to the hotel and I get up at nine ten o'clock in the morning and I drive home, you know, and, and it makes it so much easier to get back because you're not battling all the traffic, especially like, you know, in the middle of the summer, we have tons of people driving up, you know, driving home Sunday evenings from the Jersey shore, or, or if they went to, um, you know, the mountains, you know, you know, when you go out to Pennsylvania, they're coming back from the Pocono mountains and stuff and, a lot of the times, I just I just like to stay and and then drive home the next morning. It, it's just so much easier. It doesn't you don't have all the hassle of of all that traffic and all the nonsense that goes along with it. You don't get stuck in as much uh, accidents and stuff like that. Yeah, you might have some road construction and random things like that, but that's what I do, and I and I highly recommend that to anybody that can do it, um, because that way there you get to see a race. I understand probably. 10% of the people were able to go watch a race. the race. The the other 90% probably all went home because probably a lot of them had 10, 12 hour drives anyhow to get home and, you know, staying an extra day was just going to make it even harder for them to go to work. Let's say on like Tuesday morning, than it would have on Monday morning. So yeah, I get it. There's a, there's a lot of planning and, and things that go on with with some of these deals, but anyhow um, you know, you had, so they moved the race to Monday. They made it a one o'clock start versus a two o'clock start that was supposed to be on Sunday. And that's kind of how they proceeded with it. We started the race. It, w- it looked pretty good. We had that one shower um, where they were able to go out and dry the track and one and two, and they were able to get the race back underway. Um, and then that that second rainstorm, it really seemed like there was going to be another shot to dry the track and go out and finish the race. Um, because NASCAR kind of basically announced it at the track that they were going to complete the event today after that second rain shower happened. But it just seemed like it just couldn't – they couldn't get it to stop raining. And it just – it wasn't going to change. And that was the moment they declared the race and, and Bubba Wallace won. But to talk about the actual action on the track, like in the beginning of the race, it you know, there was a lot of passing and stuff. And then they got strung out, single file, running the high line which is exactly what Dale Jr. and some of the other guys in the booth are saying wasn't going to happen. Well, that's what happened. They got strung out, single fire file. They ended up running the high line, and, and it ended up being a little bit boring there. But as the weather came, that's when the guys started getting more aggressive. And, you know, you saw a lot of intensity. You, you saw, you know, a, a couple wrecks. Um, you know, we saw, you know, Alex Bowman, William Byron have uh, a couple of accidents, which took them out of contention. Um, you know, Kyle Busch got involved in that late race wreck. Um, so now he's only nine points to the good, you know, uh, Kyle Larson was involved in an accident, uh, as well. So you you had some big playoff implications in this race, you know, despite it, not maybe being the, the, the finish that you thought it was going to be as far as, you know, it happened, you know, as the rains were coming and things like that, Bubba Wallace was able to get that win. And, you know, yes, I under, I will be the first person to say it is a historic win for a magnitude of reasons. It's huge. You know, Bubba, I I think as, as much as listen, he's, he's a talking point in this sport, whether whatever side of the equation you stand on, okay. Whether you are for Bubba or against Bubba, I'm not going to go into why people are against Bubba. I, I, I get why people are against Bubba. You know, I don't need to rehash the past of what happened here at Talladega a year and a half ago. We all know what happened, okay? Uh, you know, we know the situation that happened, okay? And I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge Bubba Wallace supporter. I'm not the first person to go out there and fly the 23 flag on on, on my car or anything like that. You know, I have bubble Wallace diecast, but I have diecast a lot of different drivers too. Um, I'm happy for him. I, I believe that, you know, this day was going to come whether his haters would ever admit it or not, he was going to win a race eventually. Okay? He's in too good of an equipment. He's got too much riding on him for him not to win a race. Okay? And and Daytona and Talladega are the places that I could have told you yesterday were the best places for him to win a race. I always thought that. I've, I will also think that short tracks are another place where he's very good at. You know, but I also look at Bubba's talent he won what four races in the truck series? I understand he never got an Xfinity win, and uh, by and large, that was because he was with Roush and struggling equipment. I know someone's gonna go along and say, "Well, well, Bobby, you know, Chris Buescher won a championship in 2015, and and Bubble was driving for Roush, you know, in, in the Xfinity series that season, and uh, I didn't see Bubble winning races." Yeah, yeah, I get it, but you're also talking about Chris Busher only got one flipping win that season. It wasn't like Busher went out and won. 10 races that season he won one or two races and if you really dive into it the one was out in iowa okay and the second one he had was at i think dover um so it's not like he lit the world on fire and won at really big racetracks he won at places that you know realistically bubba could have won at as well um so i i think people need to pump the brakes on you know oh bubba you know bubba is a race car driver you you know I know a lot of people will say you know this is this you know this is uh you know you know that this, this was rigged this was you know fixed it wasn't rigged okay Bubba did what every other driver was trying to do on that racetrack which was to cross the start cross the start finish line or whatever scoring loop whatever timing line was on the racetrack when the caution came out for rain it wasn't like they they pulled some masterclass strategy. Out of the thin blue air to put him there. He won based on raw speed. This isn't Justin Haley at Daytona in July 2019 where they stayed out on the racetrack when Kurt Busch came down pit road or nothing like that. This isn't Joey Logano up in New Hampshire where Logano's car was wrecked and they stayed on the track because they knew the rain was coming. And instead of coming down pit road to fix the car, they stayed out and Logano won the race. If that race up there in New Hampshire went back green, Joey Logano would have not even have probably finished on the lead lap. That's how bad his car was. So I I am already tired of the of the Bubba detractors saying that this was rigged. This was you know, no, it was not rigged, it was not fixed. Because if NASCAR fixed this, the fix would have been a year and a half ago. And Bubba would have won that race in 2020 at Talladega in April, driving the 43 car after that whole situation that happened in the garage area. That's when the fix would have happened. Okay? Not, let's wait a year and a half, guys, and let's do it at Talladega and magically call the race when Bubba is leading the race and it starts to rain. That's not the fix. The fix would have happened a year and a half prior. Just saying. But I'm happy for Bubba. I am ha- I am genuinely happy for him. I'm happy for uh, Booty Barker. I mean, a guy who's gone 0 for 483, I believe, in his, his uh, cup career as a crew chief. Really happy for him. He's a great guy as well. Um, you know, Bubba's matured a lot, too. I think Bubba has gone through a lot of stuff, personally. I know Bubba has been in the spotlight a lot. And I think he appreciates his fans a lot more. Uh, because I know I'll be the first person to tell you, when I met Bubba probably three, four years ago in the garage area, I... I was not impressed with Bubba. He did not strike me as a a very friendly guy, but everybody has a bad day. So I'm I'm giving, I gave him the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, But he just, he didn't strike me as the most friendly guy when I met him, but you know, those things happen. Um, So happy for him, happy for Freddie Kraft his spotter. I know that's a big win for Freddie as well. You know, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure it's his first cup win. Um, You know, for sure. His first cup win with Bubba, probably his first one with Bubba, I think, ever, because I don't know if he's spotted for Bubba in the truck series or not. If I'm not mistaken on that, but, um, you know, big win for Freddie. I know he's happy. A cup win, obviously, and, um, you know, they're, they're not easy to come by. I mean, you go ask go ask uh, the guys that drive for Rick Ware Racing. How, what do they give for a cup win? I'm just glad we didn't end up with something like that. I'm just glad we didn't end up with like Garrett Smithley or Joey Gase in Victory Lane or something, you know, cuz somebody had to screw the pooch on the pit stops or something, I don't know. But um big win for those for for those three drivers. Like I said, first-time winners wild. First time ever in NASCAR history we had three first-time winners at the same track on the same weekend. Huge, huge, huge deal. And happy for all three of those drivers and 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 just really good. Um, and then the other, only other thing I was really going to talk about this episode, we, we were going to talk about, uh, Michael Annette retiring. So, you know, Michael Annette announced his full-time, uh, retirement from, uh, competition at the end of the season. Hopefully he's able to get back in the car, but I really think we're, we're kind of leaning more towards the Casey Kane scenario of a couple years ago where, uh, due to injury, I think he's just done at the end of the season. And I think, uh, you know, with his father passing earlier this year, um, and his dad was in charge of TMC, uh, which was, you know, a, a big sponsor of, of uh, Michael's racing career and a big sponsor of racing, period. Um, I don't know if Michael has any duty to to fulfill over there at TMC, um, but maybe that's where he's going to put his energy and his focus in. Um, but, you know, it, just, it sucks to lose a driver that's been around the sport as long as Michael has been. Um, he's the last Bill Davis racing driver that's uh, still competing actively in NASCAR. Um, so, um, that chapter in racing is closed officially at the end of this season. And, uh, just sad to hear that, um, Michael Annette is going to retire at the end of the season. Now we'll want to clarify two things on that real quick. I know I got asked a question, um, by my girlfriend. She asked me if, um, that's an opening for Matt D Benedetto possibly to go into, um, basically the only way Michael Annette, um, I mean, there was going to be five cars at junior motorsports next season was if Michael and decided to come back. And if that happened, then there would have been five cars at junior motorsports um, for 2022. But as far as I, I was under the impression of that um, Dale jr. I think even st- st- stated on his download, the only way they were going to run five was if Annette wanted to come back and uh, he, he's elected to retire. So uh, four cars for junior next year, the one, the seven, the nine, the eight, the nine are all going to be back. I'm assuming uh, and that means Sam Mayer is going to drive the one car next season. I don't see them rebranding that. And that would also lead me to believe that Dale Jr. is going to run his one off race his one off deal for 2022 behind the wheel of the 88 next season versus the eight, which is what he's been driving the last couple of years. years. Uh, I'm imagining that's what they're going to do with, um, with that. So sounds like you're going to get, uh, at least one more 88 die cast out of uh, junior, um, before he calls it a career. Um, at some point that's going to happen. Um, but that's it. That's all I got f- time for today, guys. Wanna well, thank you all for tuning in to the Cruci's corner podcast. Keep telling your friends about us every episode. I keep seeing that we're, we're growing, growing by a couple of, uh, listens. So, Thank you for all those that are tuning in. Remember, you can catch us on pretty much all major podcasting platforms. Check out our social media. Uh, that's going to roll at the end of the uh, the, the podcast here. And uh, next week, I promise we'll do a little bit more uh, talking. I wasn't really able to watch a lot of the races this weekend because I was uh, pretty busy um, with work and, and other stuff. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out our website, thecrewchief.net. And uh, we'll have all the uh, information up there. I'm, I'm still kind of, I know lagging behind on, on updates and stuff with there. Um, just know that you know we're trying the best we can. I'm a one man band trying to, to do that. Um, I'm in the middle of another move again, so uh, bear with me. We're trying to do the best we can to at least keep the Facebook stuff up and running as as much as I can. Um, the website's kind of taking a little bit of a backseat, but uh, we'll get that back up and running here in, in the in the near future, hopefully. So until next week, have a great time. Um, we're going to see the races at the Roval. I'm sure uh, trucks, I mean, the trucks are off this weekend, but we have Xfinity and Cup out there at the Roval. Uh, real quick, some picks. I'm, I'm going to say Chase Elliott's a, a, a definitely a favorite of a lot of people, but don't sleep on Ryan Blaney. I also think Christopher Bell is somebody you got to be careful for. I know he's not in the playoffs anymore, but I'd watch uh, Christopher Bell has done very well on the road courses um, this year. So he would like Christopher Bell and Ryan Blaney would be my sleeper picks there for the Xfinity series. Obviously Justin Allgaier is always somebody I'd throw in the mix anywhere we go, but I really think Austin Sendrick's going to be the guy that's going to hoist the, the trophy on Saturday. Uh, and AJ Almeninger will be in the mix as well. All right, guys. So that's it. That's all the time we have for today. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Be sure to check out the Be sure to check us out on social media and also on our YouTube channel as well. So until next time, be safe and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chief's Corner podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm.